0: Well, I loved our story this morning, not only because the charming Ruby shared it with us, but I love the way creativity unfolded in that story, in the pots of paint each year, a birthday present given to this little girl, the way creativity unfolded so orderly, so nicely, just one pot of paint, Every year. It's the way I like creativity to unfold. It's the way I like life to unfold, I think, probably. And in a spurt of wanting more creativity in my life... A few months ago, I decided to convert an unused office space in my house into a craft room extraordinaire. This was going to be the space where I would have all my beautiful longings and yearnings and ideas. And so I went, of course, to Ikea. (laughs) I bought the perfect Ikea shelves that fit just right in the one corner. I bought matching Ikea chairs and little Ikea tables. Two little tables right next to each other. And then little, I really went kind of crazy at Ikea, little Ikea cabinets in metal silver to match the legs on the chairs three little tiny drawers on each little tiny cabinet, and I put my knitting in their silver buckets and my markers in the drawers, and I sat in my perfect little craft room and waited (laughs) for creativity to happen. It's very neat, my craft room. (laughs) The truth is, of course, that creativity doesn't really work that way. I'm sorry to say, although I think IKEA would like us to believe that it does. How does it happen, though, I wonder? How do you get that spark of creativity, that moment when suddenly you know you have in you the possibility to create something new? And is that spark only about painting or writing a story, or is it about life, too, somehow? Artistically, I think I'm actually not that creative a person, despite my craft room, or perhaps you noticed because of my orderly craft room. It's really for crafts, which I love. Scrapbooks with their little lines, knitting, I have friends that have turned knitting into a true art, who make up the patterns as they go, who allow their needles to just create as they take the yarn along. I like the knitting patterns you buy at the store (laughs) that have little tiny lines which you follow. Oh, knit one, purl one, knit one. Oh, here's what I do now. I like the idea of following those rules and seeing what emerges. So there's a craft, there's a creation, but it's not, I think, that artistic impulse that I find in my knitting, in my orderly craft room. I do, though, like that spark of creativity. I do feed on it in my life, I imagine in the way that my life unfolds, in the way my work unfolds, if not in the way my knitting unfolds in my craft room. My favorite understanding then of creativity is one that doesn't really have anything to do with art, but has to do with life. It's a concept called creative interchange, and it's from the theologian Henry Nelson Wyman. Life sometimes has that creative spark when things come together. Do you ever experience that? Whether you call it fate or serendipity, when suddenly things keep popping up in some way in multiple places in your life. And I had just that experience with Henry Nelson Wyman recently. I read his book in seminary. He's a Unitarian Universalist theologian, at least at the end of his life, and so it was part of the required reading for some of the work that I did. And I remembered thinking it was great, and he had some good ideas and wanted to do something with it at some point, but honestly, it was a little foggy in my memory. I did remember that phrase, creative interchange. And so when I planned this platform a number of months ago, I thought, oh, creativity. Well, I'm not really good, as we've just discussed on that art side of things. But creative, wasn't there something about creative interchange in seminary? So I think I'll I'll use that book. Okay, and I wrote my little blurb. The creativity of writing platform descriptions is to make them as broad as possible so that when you write them three months before the date and you actually then get to the Sunday, you can write about pretty much anything you'd like. (laughs) So I wrote my little blurb about Henry Nelson Wyman and creative interchange, and we'd talk about something. And then time moved along, and it was just a couple of weeks ago. I was teaching a class, which some of you took, about the humanistic impulse in world religions. And in that class, in the final week, we talked about humanism and theology and religion and liberal religious thought in the 20th century. And as I was researching for that class and trying to remember who it was that had any kind of thought in the 20th century, I came across Henry Nelson Wyman. And I thought, oh, that's handy. I think I'm writing a platform about him in a couple of weeks. And so we talked about him in that humanism class a couple weeks ago, and he came back into my consciousness again. Well, then it got even closer to the time of the platform, and I suddenly realized that I better actually get that book that I remembered and was using as the source for my platform and look it over sometime before Sunday. And I suddenly had this worry that it wasn't going to be what I thought it was and it was going to be about something really different and I had misremembered that piece about creative interchange and it might not work for Wes at all for the right kind of platform for an ethical society on a Sunday morning. So I looked for the book and I have to tell you, it had been so long I couldn't remember what the spine of the book looked like. You know how that happens in your bookshelf? And so it took me a while to find it. But I did locate that book and I saw that the title, which I hadn't remembered at all, was The Source of Human Good. And I thought, okay, (laughs) I think this will work for a platform after all. Because here is what Wyman Henry Nelson Wyman thought about creative interchange. Here is what he thought it was, that it was this spark, This zap moment that became then the source of human good in the world. The possibility of newness, of good, of value being created in the world in a zap. Well, I went back to the book so I could understand a little better what that zap moment was, that creative interchange. And here is how Wyman breaks it down. Wyman was writing, I should say, in the 20th century, early and mid-20th century, and was part of a sort of emerging liberal religious thought in that time. It was a four-part event in Wyman's understanding, and I'll quote here. The first event is the emerging awareness of qualitative meaning derived from other persons through communication, which basically means Someone tells you something, right? Someone tells you something perfectly or imperfectly, usually imperfectly, but they communicate to you a new idea, a new way of thinking. Sub-event number two, integrating these new meanings with others previously acquired, which means, right, you listen. You've heard what somebody else has said, or you've seen something new in the world, and you start to bring it into what you know of the world already, what you understand. Sub-event number three. Expanding the richness of quality in the appreciable world by enlarging its meaning. This took me a little while to kind of wade through this one. But what I think it's about is hearing that new piece of information, that new idea, subevent one, integrating it into what you already know, sub-event two, and then allowing that to expand how you understand or see the world, sub-event three. Expanding the richness of quality in the appreciable world, in the world you see around you. And then we come to sub-event four, my favorite, you'll see why, it has my favorite word in it. Deepening the community among those who participate in this total creative event of intercommunication. So you've heard what somebody has to say, you've integrated it with what you already know to be true, you've allowed that to expand your understanding of the world around you, and in so doing, you've made a deeper connection with the people with whom you shared all those sub-events. ZAP. It's communication and integration, new ideas. I remember a ZAP moment in my life so clearly from my very first semester in college. I was in a philosophy class, kind of basic Western canon philosophy, and it must have been relatively early because we went chronologically and we were still on Aristotle. So there we were in the class learning about Aristotle, and I remember trying so hard to get a concept. I I just couldn't grasp it. You know how that is? It was right outside my understanding. And all of a sudden, the professor was explaining something, and a student chimed in with what they thought it meant, and, zap! I got it. And I remember that feeling, being embodied, uh, of being up, standing on my knees on the chair, the way you do when you're kind of a young college student and your knees still do that, which I'm sorry to say mine actually don't. Standing on my knees on the chair so excited with this sudden new understanding of what Aristotle meant and what it might mean for how I saw, how I understood the world. How I saw life. So for Henry Nelson Wyman, this zap moment can come in a philosophy class. It can come in a conversation. But it's more than just getting what the teacher says. For Wyman, that moment, that zap, is the source of human good. And in fact, as Wyman articulated it, That source of human good, that process, that zap, that's what Wyman thought was God. The idea that good doesn't come just from human beings, but from something more that human beings create, from that creative spark and that zap in the process. Now, I know I've just said a word that may have some of you zapping, or not yet zapping, maybe zipping around the room. We don't talk about God all that much here at the Ethical Society, but you know, the word came up in that humanism class that I was talking about, where we talked about Wyman and Adler and liberal religious thought in the 20th century. And one of the things we talked about was the way people in that time were creating new ideas, imagining new possibilities. The way their understanding of the world was expanding as they learned about science and the scientific method, and the way their understanding of God was expanding. And Henry Nelson Wyman was one of those people who took the understanding of God, of even liberal religious thinkers at the time, and stretched it. Stretched it so far that I imagine many theists wouldn't recognize it anymore, right? And many non theists might say, Oh, actually, that's something I see in my life. Because what he said was, It was that zap, it was that moment of creation, of excitement, of spark when we talk with each other and when we really listen and integrate, that that energy coming out of our very human conversations, that was that source of human good. I wonder if you can imagine, I posed this question to my class last week, who else was one of those thinkers that expanded the definition of God while sometimes using that language still? Was anybody actually in my class? I'm looking around. (laughs) Who was there? There's Beth. I see Beth. So here is Felix Adler's, what he called his confession of faith. Felix Adler was the founder of ethical culture. I believe that the law of righteousness will triumph in the universe over evil I believe that in the law of righteousness is the sanctification of human life. And I believe that in furthering and fulfilling that law, I also am hallowed in the service of the unknown God. There was a little gasp in the class, I think, when we got to that part. So Felix Adler was one of those people, too, that for himself, For his own articulation of faith stretched that idea of God, perhaps beyond all seeing, but had still some semblance of what that meant for him. I like another thing that Adler said that gets, I think, to a concept we talk about a lot here at the Ethical Society, that ethical manifold that Adler articulated. The ethical manifold was Adler's understanding of sort of the metaphysical creation when all of us bring ourselves together and are connected. So you imagine a thread going from me to you and from me to you and to you and from each of you to each other, this kind of web of ethical interactions. But for Adler, it wasn't just that you were being ethical. It was that you were being the most you, you could be in that web. He said it this way, every person has an equal right to be different from others. Men and women, minorities and majorities, everyone from every background has a right to develop a distinct personality, a right to contribute their particular ray to the white light of the spiritual life that great, the white light of the spiritual life, which for me sounds like Adler's way of talking about that zap, about that energy, that spark that we feel and that we create that is somehow created only by us from among the people right in this room. But once it's created, it becomes bigger. It becomes more than the sum of its parts. That's the zap, the creative interchange that Wyman spoke about. That's that ethical manifold that Adler imagined. It's that energy, I think, between us. So we have Adler and Henry Nelson Wyman in the early and then the mid part of the 20th century trying to think about that creative spark and what it was and how it was that it moved us toward good, right? The source of human good. And we have them using language that perhaps we don't always use, that ethical societies as they progressed through the 20th and into the 21st century didn't choose to continue, but language that spoke somehow to those thinkers in their time. And here the story gets even a little more complicated. Because Wyman, who insisted really on using that God language even when he stretched the definition so much, was also a humanist. In fact, Henry Nelson Wyman signed the second humanist manifesto, which folks from my class will know Felix Adler chose not to sign the first humanist manifesto. So we get to these questions, right? about who's a humanist and what language means, we also, I think, get to an understanding of life as process. Henry Nelson Wyman began as a Presbyterian minister and did most of his work as a Christian theologian. At the end of his life, though, he became a Unitarian Universalist, and it was during that time that he signed the Humanist Manifesto. And so I like to think about the creative spark, that creative interchange working in Wyman's own life as he moved in his journey, in his understanding of the world, his understanding of God or process or zap, what that meant for him as he progressed through his life. It helps us, I think, or helps me at least, to begin to expand my definition of what people mean when they use language that isn't our own. Helps us to understand that some people stretch language in that way, that they're talking about a zap or a process or a spark. And that process That process feels powerful and important to me. It's part somehow of that ongoing conversation, the conversation that Adler had, that Wyman continued, that we have, that's part of what we do on Sunday mornings together. The conversation about where, after all, good comes from. How we get that source of human good in the world, how we know it, whether it comes from a zap moment, and how we can create those moments in our lives together, how we can continue the conversation and the listening and the integrating and then the expansion while we build that community with each other. Well, I wonder, at this point, what this all has to do with artistic creativity, which is ostensibly what we're talking about, with the pots of paint that we have laid out before us. There is, of course, I think, the place of the artist in depicting and reflecting both reality and ideals. The playwright Jean anoui said, the object of art is to give life a shape. And Felix Adler saw the importance of art as a vocation with ethical value. He wrote, The specific task of the artist is to enshrine in his creation the ideals of the age with respect to the ultimate purpose of human existence and in the endeavor so to incorporate them as to assist in defining them. So there's a space, right, where art helps us to know that source of human good, where art helps us to paint a picture both of the world as we see it and the world as we imagine it. The artist, whatever their medium, as storyteller, through paint, through story, through dance, through music, telling the story of the world we hope to see. And then, too, there's that idea that all of life is creative, That art isn't just about paints and dance and music, but about how we live, about how I live outside my orderly craft room. Forrest Church, a Unitarian Universalist minister, wrote in Lifecraft, a book about the art of creating our lives. If our lives have meaning, or better meanings, we both discover and create them. Through a process of discovery and creation, meanings emerge, taking shape over time, developing according to experience. So the way I think that we have those zap moments through life and through art, that's how we build experience in the world, how we make meaning in our lives. It's how the little girl saw meaning And beauty and color in the world around her, one paint color at a time, one year at a time, as she saw the reds and then the oranges and the yellows around her. And in the end, as she integrated them all together, all those experiences, all that time painting the flowers and the birds, and realized that the gift she had been given was a rainbow, was being able to really see that rainbow in the world around her. It's an ability somehow to find the zap in our lives, the zap moment in art and in life. Wyman called it the creative good and said that it is the guide we must follow if we are to find the way to life's supreme fulfillment in qualitative meaning. What operates, he asked, in human life with such character and such power that it will transform man as he cannot transform himself, saving him from evil and leading him to the best that human life can ever reach. For Wyman, the answer to that question, the answer to what is it that can transform us, is that moment of creative interchange. It's that moment of hearing something that's so different from how I think, seeing a color I hadn't seen before, integrating it into my own experience widening the meaning I see in the world, widening the colors I can see, and then deepening my connection to all of you and to the whole human family in so doing. It's that zap, I think. It's why my knitting is a craft, something I enjoy, but with no real zap there. But parenting for me has zap. My child all the time opens my eyes to new ways of thinking, of understanding who people are and how we grow. Being in a religious community and sharing a life with this congregation gives me zap, both in meetings as someone describes a new way of looking at governance to supportive housing as we think about how we can take care of people better in our community. All of the ways that I learn new ideas and integrate them and expand my thinking, sometimes so exciting that I'm on my knees on the chair, embodying that moment of, oh, I get it. It's a new way to be in the world. The Winner this year of the Elliott Black Award, the award given out each year by the American Ethical Union, is someone who I bet understands zap in the world. It's the founder of an organization called Peace Art International, which builds peace through the arts, using drama and dance and music as a way of crossing boundaries and bridges of creating understanding and meaning through people who might not even be in a room together otherwise. That zap you find artistically that leads to a connection emotionally or intellectually or philosophically that creates a kind of excitement or energy that can cause social change. One of my favorite commercials is I think for Bissell vacuums. It has a spill and then of course the mother comes to the rescue to clean up the spill and the tagline for Bissell is, life's messy, clean it up. (laughs) Well I think what I want to say today is, life is messy and don't clean it up. Life is messy, and sometimes that's okay. Sometimes we need to pull things off their Ikea shelves. We need to try on ideas and ways of being that feel funny and different and messy to us and see what happens. We need to listen for what the other person is saying and wade through the muck and the mess and try to get to the zap, to the creative interchange that can open our eyes just a little bit more. And so I want to invite you all to try for some zap today, or this week, or this month, to find what it is in your life that needs to be pulled off a shelf or mucked around in the mud. Where is life messy for you? Where is there an idea that's just outside the realm of understanding? That with a little more conversation or a little more paint or color, with looking around a little more, you could find a way to see it and to integrate it and to have that creative moment of zap in your life. I have had my own little zap this morning, those of you who hear me speak often might be able to tell that I am without manuscript this morning. And I will tell you that if nervous energy leads to zap, I had it in spades thinking about speaking just from notes and from the ideas that fall like love maybe from the sky. And so my challenge to you is to find a place in your life this week where you can try that too, where you can go out on a limb and find that nervous energy, that new possibility. And I hope that for all of you, it leads to zap.